Dallas Goldtooth. It's so good to see you, Dallas. Thank you for coming into the studio. I'm happy to be here. You're all over the place. I mean, I, you're 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 on YouTube. You're in the newspapers. <laughs> you're on the TNV. You're just everywhere. Yeah, I, I don't know how I um how I I don't know how I'm still alive, really, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's going. I, I think I, I give a lot of credit to my uh, my fiance. She keeps me grounded, keeps me in check. So uh, much love to all the loving partners out there who basically are it, in the back scene. Yeah, yeah. Like like Kathleen out in the lobby there. Yeah. Like, did she give you did she give you coffee cake or anything? Like I didn't that? have a chance. I just got uh, here and she was like coffee cake and watermelon and <laughs> so on and so forth. And I didn't have a chance to partake in. Uh, well, you will on the way out because I understand you had a little uh, trouble on the Eisenhower uh, Expressway here. Yeah, yeah. I, so, yeah, just a little fender benders. Not me, but in front I, of I'm me glad there. it wasn't you. Yeah, stop traffic. Uh, and Dallas Goldtooth, you should know, is a uh, co-founder of the ni- uh, 1491's comedy group, which is very funny. I went on YouTube and I was looking at a bunch of stuff. But um, also... Uh, it's been associated with the Dakota Access Pipeline protests. Um, he's the national Keep It in the Ground campaign organizer for the Indigenous Environmental Network, activist, performer, event MC. Um, you've traveled Turtle Island from one end to the other, and uh, you're Dakota. And how do you pronounce the other tribe? Is it Diné? Diné. Diné. Okay. Yeah. Which is also most folks know as Navajo. Okay. So that, that's the traditional name that Navajo people self-identified. And, and, um, and the word I see, Navajo, and I did not know that. I should have known that. Yeah, and Navajo was just a – it was like common designation that was outsiders, the Spanish that designated the word Navajo. Uh, yeah. how, how, how many different tribes were named by the <laughs> Europeans? That's what I want to know. I, I think a good majority. I mean, Sioux, uh, uh, most folks know – like uh, I'm Ocheti Chacoy, I'm Dakota – um, and folks just they know the word Sioux, but that was another as a French word um, that was designated for us. Uh, Chippewa is another one example that that's a French word mm-hmm. that was designated to to identify Anishinaabe people. Um, Iroquois, the Iroquois people, like they they identify as Haudenosaunee or by the individual bands like Mohawk, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's a lot of names. So out which there. of the names have actually survived from the originals? Ooh. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, like, Danae yeah, has, but, yeah, but it's the, not used. Nobody knows it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... Not, not, not white people, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, up in um, uh, in North Dakota, you have Mandan, Hidatsa, Rikara. Those are all traditional names that folks use. Uh, Ho-Chunk is another name. Potawatomi, that's that's a, a name that's familiar. To, they originally lived around the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sac and Fox, uh, the, the Sac is, uh, was another tribe that was... Um, they still keep that original name, so... Oneida is another, mm-hmm. they, they have the original name there. We so. just came back from, we broadcast last week from Oneida um, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right in the casino, um, the uh, factory, factory farm, farm summit. summit was being held. Uh, but it, it, I, I know that it, it make, makes Peggy crazy. She wants to just like spit it out. Michael, just spit no. out the words, okay? No, just no, spit no, them out. No, no, no. Um, but we were there, and it was, uh, you know, courtesy of the Oneida. Uh, they were great uh, hosts, uh, very hospitable. Um, and uh, who was it? Uh, Mike Wiggins Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoke, and he was terrific. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness, he was so eloquent. And he talked about the reason you are 
at uh, the Dakota Access protest, and the reason he was up there, it's about the water. Yeah. It's about the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very eloquent talking about how we're 70% water, made up of 70% water, each human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how the water was here before us, will be here after us, but what shape will it be in after us if mm-hmm. we continue to damage it? Yeah, yeah. No, that's the very core of this fight against Dakota Access. Now, that, that messaging was actually born out of um, the youth. It was the youth uh, out of, of Standing Rock Sioux Nation who, you know, really took charge and just, just heard, you know, there was some good solid organizing, education on it, but there was the youth that really framed it with this water is life, mm-hmm. you know, kind of message that has now become a global movement to not only stop this pipeline, but then also to address greater uh, climate justice issues and the necessity for us to address climate change. So, you know, I think that the, the, the sacred integrity of the water is something that speaks to every one of us in various capacities in various ways. But I think it's really it's the core of who we are in our existence as 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 human beings in our relationship to the world, to the planet mm-hmm. is it's the water. That's what grounds us. That's what connects us. So um, it's it's pretty beautiful to see. Uh, where it's going in the direction it's going now with the with the with the Dakota Access fight and also the greater conversation about climate change. Well, you just came from there. How how recently were you uh, in North Dakota? Uh, I was there three days ago. Yeah, okay. I just got back. I I live me uh, my family we live here in the Chicago area, um, but I was out there for about a month um, out in the, in North Dakota uh, on the Cannonball River, which is a, a tributary into the Missouri River, and. Uh, there, I was at the resistance camps to the Dakota Access Pipeline, and uh, it was beautiful. I, I can't, I can't put it into. You I, mean the I, resistance? The, the resistance. I mean the and area is probably beautiful too. The area is beautiful. I mean you have the Missouri River there. You're right in this valley, right where the Cannonball River flows into it. Um, most folks don't know. So the camp, there, there's been a resistance camp there called uh, Sacred Stone Camp that's right. been there since April and. Our organization, the Indigenous Environmental Network, was one of the first groups to help uh, provide fiscal sponsorship and help provide support for that. And the the reason, most folks don't know this, but the reason why they call it Sacred Stone Camp is because the uh, the, the Cannonball River is right there. Um, before the Corps of Engineers flooded the Missouri River to build Lake Oahe, there, the river came in at with such a speed into the Missouri that there was a nonstop whirlpool right there where the river entered into the Missouri and it was constant so that there was stones and rocks that would get caught up in that whirlpool and it would create these giant balls, these cannonballs as they would call them when, when the first like the U S army came through, but there were sacred stones to a lot of people. Now that space is not just sacred to Lakota and Dakota people who currently inhabit it there, but also to Mandan and Arikara people who live up by the three affiliated tribes, they had villages down there. The Cheyenne, the Cheyenne people, actually one of their part of their creation story is that whirlpool is a part an integral part of their creation story. So you have numerous tribes all in that same area who have significant um, significant connections to that land and to that area. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that it's beautiful. I was there, and there was fifteen hundred, two thousand people in the camp. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 not. It's there's r- numerous resistance camps. There's numerous camps all along the area there who are all there for the same goal to stop mm-hmm. this pipeline. 
working together and it's just beautiful organic organization happening it's just it's amazing to see uh, tribal nations from across the country i mean at, at night i can't you know the one thing that media doesn't get on what? this is oh a lot i'm sure <laughs> a lot but the most beautiful part and it's actually i, I I'm, I'm happy that the media hasn't really caught on to it because a lot of media leaves at night right in, in the evening mm-hmm. but um and so and, and that's when the good stuff that's starts. when the good stuff because that, that's yeah. when the camp comes alive you know how yeah. human beings it, you know it it's it's that that um primal urge you gather around the fire you that's when the songs mm-hmm. come out that's when the stories come out and why is nobody so, why do you think nobody's covering that because that everyone part? has to go home and upload all their footage or dump and do write up for the next story <laughs> the line. Yeah. Tweet and the Instagram. exactly yeah. Yeah. and there's no internet connection down there there's no the the cell phone reception's horrible like really, really bad, which is difficult for us. When we're hey, I know our... some white people can put up a microwave tower right there <laughs> if you need it. Hey, yeah. that would be awesome. I'm absolutely, <laughs> absolutely honest. But so the, um, the uh, but at night, it comes alive. And I, this is an example. I was st- sitting there at sundown, and I'm on top of this large hill that overlooks the camp. And to my right, to the to the south, you have a stage, an impromptu concert being set up. With like with immortal technique and a bunch of like progressive like hip hop artists setting mm-hmm. up a stage. Uh-huh. Then you have um, songs from the California coast. There's native people from the California coast sharing songs, dancing. There's folks from the Pacific Northwest. They're having songs over here. There's pow- There's a powwow happening over to the to the east. Like it's all happening at once, and it's all just songs and and just be- this beautiful cultural expression. From across Indian country, that I, I can't explain it to its. I'd love to see that. I mean, somebody needs to turn on their their smartphone there and get a little video. Yeah, I'm well, sure a lot of people are. Some of it is, and, and 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 you know, a big part. Sorry if I'm just going on and no, on. No, 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 no. I'm I'm winding you up and turning <laughs> yeah. you loose. Okay, that's what's so, happening here. So you know, our organization, the Indigenous Environmental Network. Um, our, we're a grassroots network of frontline indigenous communities fighting for climate and economic justice um, on Turtle Island, and we um, and some folks might not know what Turtle Island. Well, Turtle is. Island is is loosely like so-called North America. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a as a designation that comes from our Haudenosaunee relatives out east, are also known as a, um, like the Iroquois, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this prophecy, this understanding that we live on the back of a turtle. And it's shared amongst a lot of different other tribes. So we've kind of really loved that concept of this is that we are all on this island together, this island, which is so-called North America. Um, and so we work with indigenous communities across the board. And uh, Dakota Access, we've been fighting Dakota Access for over two years now. What happened in April that got it going this year? Um, well, it was just that we were, in to- we were conversating, talking about the necessity to have a resistance camp. A spirit camp go up, much like how we had um, at uh, in Keystone in the fight against Keystone XL. There was a spirit resistance camp in Rosebud that went up, and um, so there was like okay, th- we need a, a you need to have a space like that to mobilize around to bring attention to bring awareness to the fight because a lot of people didn't know about Dakota Access, not just nationally but even regionally. There's a lot of people in North Dakota, in Standing Rock, who didn't even know about this pipeline. Three weeks ago, virtually nobody knew about it. I mean, exactly. it, just, it just all of a sudden, and, and it was interesting because it was like on a Monday or a Tuesday, and Peggy and I said, what's going on over in Cannonball, North Dakota? 
and still we couldn't find any stories. We were we had people we could find stuff on Facebook and some of the social mm-hmm. media, but the mainstream media was not covering yeah. this yeah, at all. No one was yeah. there. No, I, no, and, right. And I happened to get Indian Times and the Indigenous feed, and I was like, "Wow, there's something happening." But yeah, no one's talking and about. And then it. by the end of the week, it was in the New York Times yeah. and other places, and it suddenly exploded. And and I did a search yesterday, uh, two days ago, when I was writing up the blog for my post, and did a, a Google search. And found 375,000 mentions of this. Yeah. It, it, it blew up. And I'll say this. The, we, as, as our, like, we have a media comms group on the ground. We have folks that are committed, indigenous people that are creating our own content and putting it up in our own spaces and having control of that narrative. But also we're very mindful of you know, the greater media strategy for national media. Mm-hmm. And I credit a lot of that to our media comms team, like the people on the grounds pitching, making all these pitches mm-hmm. to national media saying, hey, you need to get down here. And when we made our official, first initial pitches, no one wanted to listen to us. Right. When the stuff was going off, when the first interaction with police officers happened um, about a month ago, because Dakota Access tried to move into a construction site near the near the river, there was an inter- altercation that, that uh, our water protectors had with police at that space. Mm-hmm. And we made the pitch to everybody. No one wanted to cover it. No one. Wanted, uh, there was a, a Russian TV, RT. Yeah, they're RT. They're the only yeah. ones that were down. Oh, my on goodness. Because, RT. Oh, my goodness. They're the only ones that were down because we pitched to them a long time ago. And, and um, Who Donald Trump has connections to, of course. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So they were like, they're, they're, oh, that was it. And, and you know, it was... But we're not. We're used to this, right? On these, these yeah. frontline, yeah. these grassroots battles, these frontline battles, you can't well, depend okay, on. Okay, I will. Media. I will say, as an environmentalist myself, mm-hmm. I'm used to that. These these issues, uh, environmental issues, don't get covered. Pretty much, you have to do something extreme, wave your hands, jump up and down, and tear your clothes off, and then maybe somebody will pay attention. Exactly. And now, add to on top of that, indigenous peoples. And there's crickets chirping all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, so no, exactly. And and I think that um, you know the 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 pro the actions that we've been participating that, that folks in the camp have been doing the you know the, the altercation where the Dakota Access had their own security guards bring out had their own police their own attack dogs. That I've seen the videos and 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 um, Amy Amy Goodman uh, from Democracy Now goes out there and recording the dogs biting people and then gets a warrant for her arrest. Okay, yeah. that's how our that's how our media works in this country and, it, and our law enforcement. It's crazy. So it's not just that. What what the other part of this that most folks don't. So Amy Good Amy got you know she was served a warrant for being there doing her job as a journalist. Right. Um, the other two. Like the other two major warrants and arrests that have been made are folks that were live streaming from the act, from previous actions. So it's not just like the media like Amy, but it's also our own people who right. are documenting for mm-hmm. our own safety right. and for our own story who are also being singled out and being arrested. Like that literally happened. We had folks where I'm mindful, like I can't, like we've had a whole legal discussion where like I live, I, I like to Facebook live and, um, and I can't. We can't do that on a site anymore because we're going to get arrested, or we will. But we're very mindful that we may get arrested. You, yeah, right? if you're willing so, to get arrested, then get arrested. Yeah. you can do it. You know, um, you have uh, a crew called Unicorn Riot. They're amazing folks that folks should check out. 
their media crew that just creates just nice guerrilla media. Um, and they, their folks got arrested. And they're documented. They clearly said, we're press. We're here. And so there's, there's this absurd uh, um, – what's happening in North Dakota right now is that you have this false narrative being promoted by local law enforcement that the water protectors and people there at the Sacred Stone resistance camps – are hell bent on violence. That they're rioters, they're mobs, they're angry, they're angry protesters. I've seen that, and I, and and I I so did not believe that for a second. Yeah, okay. But but local <clears throat> media believe it, and it, and it's given credence for the governor to call in the Amer- the, yeah. the, the, the National mm-hmm. Guard because they're saying, well, this is a they're they're a threat to local uh, citizens. Blah blah blah. It's this ongoing narrative that that just legitimizes the escalation of police, and now it's uh, it's legitimizing. The escalation of um, of the court system, where we've had people now that are the, one of the last actions that happened, we've had uh, water protectors who've locked down the machinery being charged with felonies for reckless endangerment, right. but not reckless endangerment of their own bodies, but reckless endangerment because they say that law enforcement police officers are put into a dangerous situation, removing people from machinery. So. They're saying that they're, you can you can make up anything you want exactly to, so, to serve so your purposes. Yeah, they're moving for felony charges now, which is absurd. It's it's just completely absurd. Uh, you know, escalation on 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 behalf of the system there in North Dakota, and you know that's that's what we're we're up against. You know, we're not just fighting against oil corporations; we're also fighting against a greater system that wants to promote a fossil fuel in, uh, industry and wants to promote an extractive uh, society. That you know we're hell bent on trying to stop. That is Dallas Goldtooth uh, in studio here at Q4 Radio, sixteen eighty AM, Q4 org. It's the Mike Novak Show. Dallas is keep it in the ground, and that's what we're talking about: keeping it in the ground, keep it in the ground. Campaign organizer for the Indigenous Environmental Network. He's also a, an entertainer, uh, an activist, uh, does it all, and he was at the site of the Dakota Access. Uh, pipeline in uh, North Dakota, and we're we're talking about that. Uh, folks, have any questions for him? This is a guy who was there. Send us a tweet uh, or uh, a message on Facebook uh, at the Mike Novak Show, uh, or or write an email, Mike at MikeNovak.net, and we'll pass it along. Uh, there's just there's so much to cover here. We're going to have to break in just a little bit. But are you familiar with uh, Joseph Chasing Horse? Joseph Chasing Horse, not necessarily. Okay, well, we, he's the guy we talked to a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and he had was out in Rapid City, and he mm-hmm. was helping send people over to the camp. And But I mentioned that because you, you talked about the different people working. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people behind the scenes that you probably don't even know about that are trying to get the word out. Oh, it's, it's, it's crazy, honestly, because, all right, so where the camp is at, um, there's, like I said, no cell phone reception. So actually the communication with the outside world is extremely limited. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people following, following, following along on Facebook know more about what's happening than maybe some folks in the camp <laughs> yes. because the camp's so large. Like, yeah. there, there literally were cases where someone said, oh, did you know that this big event happened with these big people over here? And I'm like, no, I didn't, I'm in the same camp. It literally happened within... 400 yards of me, but the camp is so large oh. that there's stuff that happens that you don't even know what's going on on the other side of the camp. And I bet it's like, it's got to be weird because it's, it's the word of mouth has to happen. So it has to move from one yeah. end of the camp. And it because is, the cell reception telephone. is bad. Yeah, because yeah. nobody can talk to each other on the phone. So, you know, we, we that's the challenge on the ground. And, but it's 
so when I when I left the camp three days ago, I you know we we put a call out for a national day of action that was on Tuesday. Um, we put a call out for a kind of for those that can't do anything on the, on this last Tuesday that you have like basically do actions targeting you know the financiers and the lenders for this pipeline. Let's you know let's target uh, let's get our representatives and state uh, elected officials talking about this issue. And I didn't realize how successful that call was until I stepped away. And we're seeing the like, March rallies in Chicago. You had mm-hmm. this massive rally in Seattle. Um, There's folks that locked down in a major intersection in San, San Francisco, all for to raise awareness about this pipeline. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is immense. And I think that the, the, the thing that, you know, I think that needs, we constantly need to remind folks, which is, you know, per- pertains to my job, is that this is a great, much greater issue than just this one pipeline. That this pipeline, we're here and we stand in solidarity 100% first and foremost to support the Standing Rock Sioux Nation to protect their water, to protect their natural resources and the spiritual integrity of the land in the Missouri River. That's first and foremost. But behind that, the, the greater fight is to address climate change and to keep fossil fuels in the ground and to stop these, these, these infrastructure projects that merely lock us into more fossil fuel development. I mean, we just ran the numbers. So Dakota Access, if completed, will contribute to over 120 million cubic tons of CO2 per year. That's, 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 that's equivalent to uh, 8.5 coal power plants in operation per year. That's a lot of CO2. So for a country that is stated time after time that we need to address climate change and keep uh, our, our CO2 levels down, why lock ourselves into more infrastructure? Why lock ourselves into more fossil fuel development? Mm-hmm. We need to see a rapid transition. So that's that's the greater fight here, is that this is just a part of that, another step in the climate justice movement. Well, we have been covering on this show a couple of several weeks ago, there were the protests uh, over the Enbridge 5 pipeline through the Straits of Mackinac. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, an action right here on uh, Montrose Beach in Chicago. Um, the pipe out, what do they call it? Pipe, pipe out paddle. Pa- mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, first. and as you say, these things are all connected, mm-hmm. whether it's going under the Missouri. And, of course, the same pipeline, the Dakota Access, not only will go under the Missouri, but then it's going to have to go under the Mississippi mm-hmm. to get to Illinois, southern Illinois and the refinery. Um, obviously, we've already got the pipeline uh, at the bottom of the Straits of Mackinac, which, if it goes, is going to create havoc, mm-hmm. the en- Enbridge 5. Uh, and pipelines all over the place. And as you say, the the goal here has to be, okay, enough. All right, mm-hmm. we've, we've got enough oil floating around to damage us for a long time and to keep us going for a while, but... The mm-hmm. point is, let's let's go in a different direction. Let's start developing renewable sources of energy. Yeah, it, it's that's absolutely where we need to be. We need a wartime mobilization. To, to uh, don't to, say that word. You know, you're gonna uh, get you get in trouble there, dude. In trouble. <laughs> well, we need a mobilization like we saw in World War II, where it was not just an effort by the federal government, or not just effort on individuals, yeah. but an entire society to mobilize for a common goal. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're looking for. Is that in order for us to see a just transition towards localized renewable energy production, localized food production. It, we can't just say, oh, it's on, you know, it's on the demand side. It's on individual members. It's on the family. No, this is a systemic issue that takes a systemic change to happen. Right. Like th- that, that this fight for climate justice is just as integral and vital and connected to our fight for food justice, 
for our fight for uh, uh, like against the fight against sexual violence in indigenous communities, the fight for you know against police violence. It's all. You know, for us, that's what climate justice is. It's all kind of connected together. To social justice. For social justice. It, right, it's, yeah. it's systems change, not climate change. Yeah. That's what we're moving towards. That's what that's the greater fight here. And we're seeing that coming together of folks. Um, I think that the, the coming together of those narratives, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, all, it's been happening. It, that's nothing new. But I feel like there's a lot of momentum happening right now where those, those narratives are coming together. Well, uh, uh, Dallas Goldtooth, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk about how the, this has brought the tribes together in a way that some people are saying hasn't happened in over 100 years. Mm-hmm. Everything's red. We're talking about the guy you're listening to, Frank Wallen. Go ahead. Juan. 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 Sorry. Juan. 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 Oh, I see. Juan. Yeah, he's got 25,000 followers on Instagram. Wow. <laughs> he's, 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 he's doing it, man. He's, he's a... And you, and, you, and you know him, huh? What? Yeah, yeah. He's like a adopted brother. Yeah. Um, he lives here in, uh, in Chicago, went to Columbia University, graduated as an audio engineering. Juan. So, Juan. 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 The okay. L is silent. The L is silent, Juan. yeah. Juan. Okay, well then put that on there. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm, I'm anything but hip, so that's, that's what you need to know. Yeah, you, you don't say. You don't say. <laughs> Do you, Mike? I'm, I'm happy to be here. I like your guys' little vibe in here, man. It's, um, you know, it's, it's progressive. It's, it's hip. You got the goal of a revolutionary artist is, not to, is to make the revolution irresistible. I love that quote. I've heard it tweaked in different ways. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, the goal of any organizer, the goal of an organizer is to make the movement irresistible. Yeah. It's the same quote. I, I've always loved that. Well, we're going to get a shot of you with that. There, we'll, awesome. we'll flip this around when when we're done with this conversation. I mentioned before the break that uh, it's this is bringing and and and, you, and I'm going to talk for a little bit while you have a little coffee cake. Thank go you, ahead. Kathleen. Go ahead, just keep talking. I'll, <laughs> I'm eat this coffee cake here. I could play one of your uh, your YouTube videos. Uh, very funny stuff. Uh, one of the ones that I put up was um, singing lessons, which made me laugh out loud. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. 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 You know, uh, it's part of the 1491s, which mm-hmm. is an awesome name for your group. I love it. You know uh, where it comes from? The name? I assume I do, but I mean, I know no. what year 1491 was. Yeah, you but, know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're, um, I've got coffee cake in my mouth. That's okay. Um, Spit it under the mic. That's, we, a, we always appreciate yeah. that. So 1491s, uh, there's five of us in this comedy. We're a sketch comedy group. And uh, three of us are from Minnesota. So the reference is not only, you know, 1491s, the year before 1492. Right. But it's also a direct reference to 
the party like it's 1999, a Prince song. Mm-hmm. Ah. So we're all from Minnesota, all Prince fans, and so we're like, "What's party like it's 1491?" <laughs> so it's it's a it's a oh, is it a homage homage to the late. Prince, the great, late, great Prince. And the late, right, and the late, great indigenous peoples of 1491. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So that's where it came from. Originally, it was going to be Billy Jack in the 1491s. (laughs) And we love that, but it's a lot, there's a a certain generation that get that because they remember Billy Jack movies and other folks don't, but we just love the the, the idea. That's a, (laughs) if we ever start up like a hillbilly rock band, it's going to be Billy Jack. You got to be careful about your references because yeah, you get, you, you move 20 years down the road and nobody knows what you're talking about. Exactly. So, but but everybody knows 1491. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. There's some folks that be like, they're completely oblivious to history. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you're not surprised in your job. No, I'm not surprised uh, at how all. How many no. people are oblivious to it? But yes, we're a sketch comedy group. We travel across Indian country. Um, we perform mostly for college campuses. That's our, our, our demographic. Working and with. I can see how that would work because your humor is, it's dark, um, uh, but it's funny. And it's, unlike me, very hip. <laughs> uh, 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 but you know you've got hundreds of thousands of views on some of those things it's just uh amazing obviously you uh, how long have you, you guys been around we've been around for about six years now and like me i myself like i'm trying to i want to get in more stand-up as well like we do a group we do group sketch comedy but um like and and it's amazing to do. I love performing. I love being on stage, mm-hmm. and I love. Welcome to the club. Um, yeah. I, I'm like, yeah. All what, right, please what, don't take it away. Well, the thing is, this is this is what it's about. Like, I love that. I also love organizing. I, so I'm uh-huh. an organizer, and in a, in a way, like I, I'm really poor choice of words, I believe, but it is a form of of coercion and manipulation that it's an engagement mm-hmm. with a crowd with people yeah and through the, the through a craft of just language and body language and just yeah just language you 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 work with the community this tribe or tribe or people or crowd to get them on your side of things mm-hmm. you know sure and, and that, that's what I love about performing that's what I love about comedy is that it's a, a different form of engagement in in coercion, like you're just like here. This is my perspective on the world, and whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter. But I'm trying to make you laugh, and um, so I I I want I have squandered the cha- the the very fact that I've lived in Chicago, where there's so many opportunity for stand up comedy, and I've been trying to build that up, um, but it's been so damn busy. But you know, you <laughs> I know it's just there's not there's not enough time. But the interesting thing is you do, and, and I'm not trying to flatter myself here, you and I do kind of the same thing. It's like we're taking really serious issues and trying to... <laughs> Sorry, they're, t- they're taking pictures. I know, I know. If you don't know, there's like a photographer in here, <laughs> and it's like nonstop photos, so just I had to... Just pretend... I had to do a really cheesy uh, one yeah. just now. Yeah, th- really. And that's the one that'll be on Instagram. Yeah, yeah you can uh, roll down the pat leg now. It's yeah. okay. And by the way, Frank Juan liked our post. Nice. He's, uh, I can't. Yeah, he's an addict on Twitter. Frank Juan is is addicted to Twitter and Instagram. So cool. Great. All right. Well, good. Um, but what you're trying to do is take serious topics and introduce them in a humorous way, mm-hmm. which 
it can fall on its face sometimes, mm-hmm. but it can also be really, really effective, effective way of reaching people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about what you're doing. You're a funny guy mm-hmm. and you're out there. And yet, you know, you've been very serious here today, but then when you get with your, your mates on the, uh, on, on the, the 14th, interwe- on the inter- interwebs, the inner tubes, as I call them. <laughs> um, and, uh, you get out there and, uh, I guess you get to sort of relax and, and, uh, and just make people laugh. Yeah, I think that you know, uh, there's a something I've 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 always loved is compl- not being afraid to complicate the narrative. You know that we that native people, quote unquote, Native American, whatever it may be. There's a certain framing that uh, that how society sees Native people and how we engage with Native people, and and a certain understanding like, oh, this is what Native people are like. And I try my darnest to try to complicate that as much as possible and push back at that because it's just bs i think it's just it's it doesn't do any good by minimizing one uh, the identity of an entire culture of people to just a certain approach like you know the angry indian protester that's i'm tired of that i think that for me i love using comedy i love using humor and a different approach in the organizing that i do and i love challenging society and just everyone like this is like native people are are complex and 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 diverse and so let's just let's just go with that you know so just complicate the narrative like you know same thing with media like you know when we do actions when we do a protest and we're getting prepared and prepared to do the visuals and we're thinking through the visuals of that we're very we have to be mindful of What's the narrative? How do how how does society yeah. see us, and how do we use that to our advantage? And so, like, I you know I don't like uh, sometimes I'll actively if it's a protest photo I'll smile like the, like you'll know other <laughs> in that photo because people expect yeah. the story. They want angry. you angry. Yeah, yeah. It, it feeds their narrative, exactly. not yours. Exactly. Well, you know, and that's that that relates to the whole thing. Okay, you could you could apply that to Barack Obama, mm-hmm. the angry black man. You mm-hmm. could p- apply it to Hillary Clinton, the angry woman. You can apply it. You know, it's, there's a certain segment of the population that is going to jump on that mm-hmm. if you if you're anything but smiling and mm-hmm. yes sir, no sir, and yeah, yeah, you know. definitely, yeah. So it's it's just like I think that in general, mainstream media is lazy. Society is lazy. Like it, it, it focuses on the easiest mm-hmm. narrative possible, mm-hmm. and we try to push back at that. And what narratives are you finding are most effective? What, what, what's been this turning point that now everyone's covering it? Uh, I think that well, well, I'm gonna be honest. I think that the fact of the dog attacks that mm-hmm. happened, and then, and, and then the coverage by Democracy Now, that really helped get a lot of attention because that was, that was. Uh, emotionally charged i yeah. mean that's a very strong image to see dogs being used on water protectors or protesters um so i think that that is an introduction to like oh something big is happening but i think that the the narrative for that we're trying to promote on the ground the thing that, that the story that we want to get out is that this movement is based on prayer it's based on this unending love for the land and the water and for future generations and you know that we're, we're not protesters that we're water protectors mm-hmm. we're not protesters we're land defenders that that's the essential part of why we're there and who we are 
And so that's the biggest pushback that we've been going is that that framing of, oh, you're just protesters. We're like, no, we're protectors. That's what we're, that's our job. Yeah. That's our role. And that's what Mike Wiggins was stressing a lot from the Bad River Chippewa, mm-hmm. uh, saying mm-hmm. that it's time to say no more. It's time to stand up, but we're not protesting. Mm-hmm. You know, we're protecting our children, our children's children, and the water that's within them and the water that's for all of us. Exactly. So you designate... You read, you open up the newspaper and you de- read the story and you say, "Oh, uh, law enforcement, you know, arrested protesters." But no, like if law enforcement get a title, why can't our folks get a title for what we're doing, which is protecting the land in, in future generations mm-hmm. and protecting the water? So, you know, that's that's something that we really push back at, and that this whole fight is in defense of the sacred, the sacred sites, the sacred integrity of the land, and in and, and yeah, it's just. That's the thing that I think that with the greater story here. So, example, that the police, the the the, the security force used dogs on uh, peaceful action, and there was mace that was used. But what uh, what got left out in a lot of the mainstream media is the reason why that happened. The 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 Dakota Access bulldozed was bold was at that very moment bulldozing through marked grave sites. And, mm-hmm. and, and and cultural remains, and so people saw that was happening. They knew there was, there there was grave sites there, so they went up to stop the construction, and and then that's when the police were dogs or that not the police dogs, but the the security dogs were pulled out. That's when the maze came out, and that became the story, not necessarily the plowing the bulldozing through, bulldozing yeah. through yeah. the sacred site and through grave grave markers, so. You know, they're like that. That sets the framing. That's the context for what's going on. But that gets left out, right? Yeah. Well, and let's get back to uh, the, that protest and a question that I brought up. By the way, we're talking to Dallas Goldtooth from Hi. Uh, <laughs> Hi. Give us some more cheesecake there at uh, the Indigenous <laughs> Environmental Network. He's a comedian and he's an activist and. He's doing a lot of great stuff, and uh, straight from the Dakota Access Pipeline protests in uh, North Dakota. Um, I, I mentioned before the break uh, how this is bringing indigenous peoples together in a way that is kind of surprising to even the indigenous peoples. Oh, yeah. No, it is. I mean, you, you've had folks come from South America now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, there was a Sariaku relatives from Ecuador, the Ecuadorian Amazon, who we've worked with as IEN, our organization, worked with them many times before, and... They hit us up and say, hey, we want to come and stand in solidarity. But it's not just – the thing is, it's also – it's not just Native people. There's a lot of white folks mm-hmm. holding it down. Like in mm-hmm. Iowa, most folks don't know this, but the largest mass arrest so far on this pipeline route, it happened in Iowa. That was like a week ago. 30 people got arrested in, civil, in, in an act of civil disobedience. And then a lot of them are landowners, people trying to fight – are fighting for their landowner rights against eminent domain. You know – so it's not just a, a, a native issue; it's it's a human issue, mm-hmm. and um, you know there's a lot of white folks up in, in North Dakota right now, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool to see. I mean, there's also like a lot of like, but but, but it's agent. hard to get to the camp though, isn't it? I it mean, is, it's, but it's, people it's, are determined, man. There's some folks from Burning Man that are there, like man, those really? are diehards. <laughs> they're diehards. They come, they showed up from straight from Burning Man. They're they're like, they're they're like. Uh, uh, so suntanned, their faces, they're 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 all sun cracked or whatever. It's sun yeah. weathered, and they're like, "Yeah, we're here, bro." And 
and it's this interesting dynamic. You have all these new age folks that are coming in. It's like, all right, it's like pyramids going up. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, how do we balance all of that? Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. It's it's pretty funny actually how that interaction happens. Like, uh, like the, they've kind of clustered amongst themselves and gathered up, and they have their own separate camp there. But you know, it, it is pretty cool to see that this is not just. It's bringing out everybody. It's bringing together a lot of different people. Yeah, out of the mix, out of the woodworks, um, to talk about this. So, yeah. well, you know, in a sense, um, after the uh, end of the XL Keystone XL pipeline, I think some activists, some uh, environmentalists, truthfully, smell blood in the water, so to speak. Yeah, it's like this. Now they're vulnerable. We got we had a victory. What happens if we get a second victory yeah. like this one? But here's the problem. It's that the it's really a stay of execution right now that the government has said, okay, hold on. We're going we're gonna to step back, take a look at this. But if you ask me, I fully expect it to be built, the, yeah. the pipeline that's going there now uh, through uh, you know, the Dakota access. I expect it to be built. I expect the refinery to open in southern Illinois, and, and, and um, it will be shipped off to, to wherever, and we will continue to pull it out of the ground as we should not. Yeah. And and how how you know is are you optimistic or pessimistic about this? I, I am wholeheartedly optimistic. Look at me, I smile nonstop. <laughs> I'm, I'm knocking the microphone. Oh, just knock it anyway. Yeah, because I reject that the that approach. I think that I mean, there's some you have to be realistic that there. This is a multi-billion-dollar company with a lot of resources at the, within their grasp. There's a lot of Obviously, obviously, a lot of ties with with the, with the government, with with industry, and you know that we're going against that. But I think that there's a lot of momentum going our way, and I really feel that indigenous rights is going to set a benchmark in this in this fight. That the the arguments that the tribe has put forth, and and the fact that you have not it's not just an environmental issue concern; it's an indigenous rights concern that yeah. has a lot of legroom. That a, a lot of just there's a lot of leverage there that a lot of folks don't understand. Even as as native people, we don't understand at times how much clout we could hold and wield. And so, I I believe that this is not this that we'll be able to stop this pipeline. And and it wasn't Keystone XL was a major victory, is a huge victory, that was built upon the just solid organizing and people power and the collective energy of a lot of different people. But then we've also had a lot of dis- different uh, victories along the way. That you know we're 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 progressing. This is a really great great way, you know. And I think that yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I believe, I believe <laughs> in the power of the people. Well, I, I do, and I yeah. So. Well, well, but you know, at long last, here's what we're, and I think that's part of the reason it's resonating, and part of the reason that the other indigenous peoples have 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 come by and have supported you. There is because, okay, after. 500 years now can we finally finally show some respect and um and i'm hoping that there will be respect shown finally after five half a (laughs) millennium okay half a millennium do you think we can get a little respect for 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 the native folks in the country help us out here can an indian get some respect come on come on now (laughs) yeah no uh that's that's a wish that's a dream or where we're going i think Mm -hmm. that um, with the Dakota Access Pipeline, they have a deadline. I think it's in January seventeenth. I can't. It's in January. 
where they have a, a deadline where they have to have a certain amount of the pipeline completed mm-hmm. and, or else there or else the suppliers start backing out mm-hmm. yeah and so there is a timeline here for them and so that sets up also a timeline for us how long can we delay this yeah how long can yeah because they, they're back? losing money every, yeah, every single day there's 17 banks i was reading exactly backing this 17 banks wow. they have they have a budget i think they got a credit up to 3.8 billion dollars but they can only use one like uh, less than half of that um they have to reach a benchmark that which is complete the pipeline do the testing and then they can get access to the rest of the money well they can't do that and if you think about this way if it wasn't for the resistance that we see in, in Iowa and also in North Dakota, this pipeline would have been completed four months ago. Like four months ago, it should have been done. Mm-hmm. And so you know, how much, you know, I just demonstrate, like that's where I have faith in it, is mm-hmm. that we hold out. The greater strategy is to get it to where investors start backing out and people start pulling out of this project. So, so that's the, the short-term goal, actually, because that's not a long-term goal. That's yeah, a short-term, the goal. short-term goal. Short-term goal is get the get uh, the investors scared and have mm-hmm. them get out of there because it's just not worth the trouble. It's death by delay. Yeah, that, that's that's that one of the approach. I mean, that was in Keystone XL. It was uh, going through that whole regulatory process. Was just basically that's a very that's a strategic that's a strategy yeah. right there is. We can only do so many. We can only get so many people arrested. Yeah, but you got to hit them where it hurts, which is in the pocketbooks. Yeah, and get the shareholders complaining. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's that's the greater struggle there. But um, much love to like. There's folks mobilizing. I guess now in Illinois or have been mobilizing because it, it's going to Potoka down. And I've never been to Potoka. Have you been to Potoka, Illinois? No. no. So it's going there, and then it's going to shoot off. But I've been to Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be going off to the Gulf of Coast. The oil is going to be going out to the East Coast. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of folks saying no, and it's time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know it's kind of out of order here, but I want to get back to the camp for a second. And, and you, you've mentioned some of the things like the lack of um, cell service. But what about the other amenities there? There were some reports that water was in short supply. And, and, and what's the... Uh, the setup for people who are staying there, the obviously tents and sleeping bags and whatever they can do. Yeah. Right? The lay of the land of the camp. Okay. So there was the, the, the North Dakota had an agreement with the tribe where if there were so many Indian, like native folks from the tribe staying in one spot, there was a contract that kicked in to where they would provide water services and some emergency services. But when some of the, when, when there was some protests that happened or some actions that happened, the, the state basically freaked out and they pulled out all their resources. So that was that, that big blurb about water being water resources being pulled out. But it was like they, they basically backed out and said, no, we're done with this. Hmm. Um, but there's more than enough water now. Like there's, there is. Okay. Yeah, the, the tribes stepped up. Other tribes have, sent, have stepped up. Um, you know, a lot of – like right now the big conversation is how do we transition to a winter camp? There's a, the reality is that it's going to dwindle down. People can't – North Dakota winter – is a North Dakota winter. Yes. It is freaking cold. So I used to take the uh, the Empire Builder across the country uh-huh. from time to time from Chicago to to Seattle. Like a like a hobo. Uh, <laughs> no, not in a boxcar, but uh, <laughs> actually. But you look out. You go across North Dakota in January. You have never seen such cold. Yeah, it's, it's like, darkness. It's, it's, it's so stark. It, it's Planet Hoth. 
from Star Wars. I mean, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. That's what it is. So you take a picture of it and you see Planet Hoth. You can see little AT-ATs out there. Um, <laughs> but the um, – yeah, so th- there's a conversation about what does a winter camp look like. You know, obviously the numbers are going to dwindle, but we have people are dedicated. There are a good number of people who are there for the long run until the very end. Last nail is in this coffin. Well, or at least until uh, <laughs> you know it it gets to minus fourteen. No, you well, know, but they but they'll stay. But, huh? but the thing is, they they will stay. I mean, we're talking about the Dakota Lakota people. That's We've true. Been they there live there anyway. The yeah, they grew yeah. up there. Yes. Yeah, this is our existence. So. Um, that's the way it goes. So, so maybe I, maybe the uh, the sheriffs will go home. You know, maybe the yeah. sheriffs will go home, and some of the Burning Man, the burners, will, 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 will <laughs> definitely be gone. Will, will be gone. They'll clear out. So so what do they need though out of the camp? Um, so in the camp, they need uh, four season tents. They, there's a need for um, there you go solar power energy, and there's a need for like renewable energy systems, like mm-hmm. uh, like uh, on a smaller scale. We we're we're bringing in a large scale solar power energy system. To help provide like energy to the cook shacks and into the kitchen and things like that, but I think that there's need for some smaller scale stuff. Um, when 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 energy systems is all, are always good, the um, there's there's going to be a, a nonstop need for food. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're coordinating with some from some farmers from out east who are planning to bring a bus full of organic food um, from the last part of their their harvest. Um, but you know there's still a need for food, and you can go to sacredstonecamp.org. Where there is a supply list, there, okay. there's also an Amazon wish list where all you got to do is go, you click it, and it shows you a wish list through Amazon.com, and you can buy stuff, and it automatically ships right to the camp. So there's a list of materials that they We need. talked about the wish list um, on the program a couple of weeks ago when one of our supporters uh, was telling me about it, and it was just kind of fascinating, the kinds of stuff that uh, that were really needed in the camp. Um Mm-hmm. And I don't remember any of it, but I, I was reading some of it. It was just like you know, all all terrain vehicles and whatever else, yeah, toilet, toilet paper, and Mad Magazine prescription, pers- <laughs> and you know, 1987 People Magazine Person of the Year. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's an odd assortment. No, but there's like socks, you know, sure. and jackets, and and winter like uh, hats, and you know, all those winter gear stuff, rain boots, and um, ponchos. Those are all valuable things that mm-hmm. are needed. Um, and there are also more like tactical things like walkie talkies or police scanner mm-hmm. or, um, you know, uh, even like uh, uh, there was some requests for night vision goggles because folks want to monitor construction. And there's been reports that con- like Dakota Access moves, has been moving equipment at night. And so we want to make sure that we're holding them accountable, that we can monitor that stuff. Like those are all things that really help out. Um, and we, I think they're good on water for now, but it's just definitely there's always a constant need for food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we could do this for a few hours, I suppose. But Oh, I can't do a few hours. My, my fiance is going to be mad. <laughs> so we won't. We'll be at a coffee well, as cake. Long, as, as, well, as long as we – yeah, right. I was going to say, as long as we have coffee cake, we, you know, you're, you're going to be here, right? Actually, the coffee cake is delicious. You uh, guys – have no idea if you're listening right now. The coffee so there's cake no coffee the cake at the uh, the protest site. Is no, there? there is. We're utterly lacking in coffee cake, but there are bagels because there's some folks. That <laughs> well, bag- bagels. bagels last a lot longer yes, too, and they, and they do. That's like uh, uh, beef jerky or something, you know. Oh, you know who's been a major? Uh, you mentioned beef jerky. Um, <laughs> is I did Tonka Bar. Have you guys ever had Tonka Bar? Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's it's basically an energy bar. It's I've seen it. You've I, seen I it? have not tried it, but I have seen it so, at events. So you check out Tonka Bar. Much love. I'm gonna give them a shout out because they they're a company. They're a native owned company mm-hmm. that makes. Uh, the Tonka Bar is like energy bars, but it's all bison meat, 100% like uh, no no GMOs. It's organic. It's bison meat with tr- with cranberries. It's all traditional food. Basically, put into an energy bar. It's traditional Lakota food that is made into like an energy bar, and um, they they basically ship thousands of dollars worth of product to the camp. Yeah, and so like everyone's just being is being powered. We're, we're Tonka Bar powered in camp. And it's, it's, a yeah. nat- it's a native-owned company. That's, it's literally on the Pine Ridge Reservation that hires native people, and they've been basically shipping for free yeah. all this stuff. So I want to give some love to them that encourage folks to go to tonkabar.com to just buy some of it because they're supporting the camp and food. Yeah, it's been a big in the paleo movement. That's how I've yes, it. Yes, it's yes. It's very big in the paleo movement. It's really healthy. It's all like traditionally-based food. What's the paleo movement? We'll talk later. Uh, you don't know the paleo movement? No, I don't. What is the paleo Wow, movement? he really is not hip. Huh? No, I'm not. I'm totally uh, like wow. anti-hip. I'm just like, in it's fact, I'm a black. High protein, low carbs, it would be the diet ancestors ate. Yes. And long ago. That's, that's, that's the, the caveman oh. diet. Okay. The caveman diet, they would Cave. say. Well, why don't you just say caveman diet, all right? But it doesn't sound as fancy. You can't sell caveman diet meal <laughs> planner, but you, you can sell yeah. the paleo diet That's true. meal planner. It's and all about the marketing. you can't have a magazine called know. Caveman Diet, but you can have a magazine called Paleo. Boom. See? Marketing. <sighs> okay. All right. Well, then, see, before I <laughs> reveal myself to be even more out of touch with uh, the world, I want to thank you, uh, Dallas Goldtooth, for coming all the way to Chicago, coming into the studio. We're going to get a photo with this thing behind me here. So awesome. That, um, but um, um, if folks want to to help out, go to sacredstonecamp.org. You can also check out indigenousrising.org. That's our organization, um, the Indigenous Environmental Network. Mm-hmm. That's one of our projects that we support frontline communities in action. So indigenousrising.org is a, a website that we're also putting out there. You, we're asking folks if you want to, you can donate to, to our organization. We're on the ground. We provide media comm support. We're trying to fundraise for a media, um, actual media van. Like what we identify, what we need is um, basically a mobile communications hub that we can bring into communities like this that has a, a community radio station, that has Wi-Fi and cell phone booster, that has a dedicated phone line that can you know serve that purpose. Also have solar energy capabilities to power people, power mm-hmm. energy. Um, we've had one on site. They have to leave, but it's like we've been borrowing it. So we actually have a community radio station on site uh, at Sacred wow. Stone. You need that, yeah. So, cool. so if yeah. you want to look it out, I think it, the the company, the, the group that's been offering that is Earth Cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, Earth Cycles Radio, and then you can, I think they have some some of it's been streaming. Hmm. But yeah, so we we're trying to fundraise for our own, like an indigenous owned mobile communications van. And so if you want if you want to contribute to that, go to indigenousrising.org. And uh, there's a link there at the top that says donate. You can help send some money, provide our, help support the, the movement. Did, who's, uh, who's tweeting for you at Indigenous Environmental Network? I did. Well, oh, that was you? So yeah, that <laughs> was me. You could have just asked me here. It says, could you, hi, could you uh, retweet the link for the interview with Dallas? Oh, oh uh, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> I was like, 
Dallas, you could just ask me here if you were, if you what's, I, what what the link is going. Sorry, to be. I I retweeted one of your tweets, and then someone like one of our other social media handlers must have obviously. Yeah, he's he's just you know you're so out of it. You you don't ask now. You just tweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the use of talking? Yeah. You know why are we I, even here? I don't know. In fact, what's, I'm going to erase this purpose? this this recording because no! there's no point. It, no, uh, uh, Dallas Goldtooth, thank you so much, man. I, I hope we can do this again. Uh, and if and if you get that radio station set up there, we should go and broadcast the show from there on a Sunday. Awesome. Yeah, I would, I'd love to. I, one thing I want to talk about is even if we produce like a little segment, like can mm-hmm. we send that to you guys and you guys can put it up or something, you know? Those are some ideas yeah. that we've had. So. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. You guys, if you, if you do that, we would definitely. Yeah, definitely. we're thinking about producing a little like, you know, four-minute, like three-minute segments of just interviews with folks mm-hmm. and just sending them out to different uh, community radio stations out there to see if they can get them up on the air. Okay. So I'm going to prove to you, I'm going to absolutely prove to you how, how unhip <laughs> – the fact I, I, that you've said hip like six times in this conversation demonstrates is, how unhip you may be. Hep? Should I have said hip? No, no. Hip. No, hip. Okay. What, what, what do you, what's your proof? You're, you're trying to prove something here? I'm trying it's, it's What's the point anymore? I'm, I'm just going to go out and jump off that uh, ledge, okay? Uh, I was going to play this. And, and this just shows, because uh, we play this as the end of the show. And Do you recognize this? Da, 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 da. What is this? This is Muppets. The Muppets ending. The, the yeah. Muppets. Uh, yeah, it's cool. So uh, I want to thank uh, Dallas Goldtooth and Suzanne Malik, McKenna, and Michelle Burden Walsh for all being on the show today. Uh, and as a matter of fact, we're going to drag Dallas into our end of show. Our little parting words. I always say, go green or, and then you say, go home. That's how that okay, works. Okay, so you uh, say, Ka- go green, I say, go home. Right, right. Kathleen will help us here. Ready? Go green or. Go home! Uh, Stadler? Oh, uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.